is the Under Centre Podcast. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Under Centre Podcast. I'm your host, Dara Marr, and I'm joined, of course, as always, by Fionn Malloy and Jake Woolhead. We are here for your week seven review show. Seven weeks into the season, nothing but pain so far. Well, apart from Jake, because a certain Giants team got that winning feeling at the weekend. Jake, how are you feeling? Oh, yeah. Uh, feeling good for the team. I always like to watch a win. Hate to see lose a draft position and obviously lost season. But I'll always root for the Giants to win anyway. Fionn, how are you? I know it was a tough game against uh, Green Bay at the weekend. Yeah, I'm getting used to seeing this now at this point. We've fallen back into old habits. Uh, week on week, I get a little bit more despondent. Yeah, no, I'm right there with you. I am right there with you. Another loss on the Monday night for the Seattle Seahawks against the New Orleans Saints in what was probably the worst game of the season for anybody who stayed up to watch that. (laughs) You have my sympathies. If you were a fan of the Seahawks or the Saints and you stayed up to watch that, it's understandable. But if you weren't and you stayed up to watch that, look, I'm sorry, you you got no one but yourself to blame. For staying up to watch that, unfortunately. It was a tough, tough watch. But they're not the only things we're going to be talking about this week. Because there may be a rant. A Seahawks rant. I can feel it in my bones. I'm just <laughs> going to... Uh, I'm going to see if it pops up on the wheel now today. Because we do have the wheel of topics back. So many great topics to speak about. Mm-hmm. After what was a, another entertaining and event-filled weekend in the NFL like we could be talking about Cincinnati and their fantastic win against the Ravens could be talking about the Eagles and their search for well I guess maybe not search but how much it hurts to be an Eagles fan right now pun intended don't worry well who's the best team in the AFC now because with all these results in these last two weeks we don't know anymore who's the worst team in the NFL that's that's an interesting question because Records aside, there could be a lot worse teams there. But guys, before we get into the show, if you aren't already subscribed to our YouTube channel, make sure you head over to YouTube and search for Under Center Podcast. Subscribe to that channel because that's where you find our YouTube exclusive bets show where we try and win you a bit of money. And if you did pay attention to the video last week, I I got to come out and say it, guys. I backed the Jets at plus seven last weekend, thinking that it couldn't be any worse than their encounter at the start of the year against the Patriots. But what does Bill Belichick do? He just goes and decides, you know, I'm going to put a 50-burger up on these Jets, and my God, were they bad. And I have made this. I am never betting a Jets game ever again. Until they do something, <laughs> I am never betting a Jets game. I'm never going to back them. I'll probably go against them a lot. I think I should learn that now. But um, tough week for for the bets. I think uh, I learned around this point last season was not to trust the Jets in any of their games. I think they did not beat the handicap in any game last season. Or they might have done one. I think they had a double digit, a 17 point. Uh, they were 17 points in the, the behind, but I think they covered in one of them. I don't know if you just seen there. Sure they didn't they have that win against who's it the Rams or something? Yeah, they would have beat the handicap that, that week one. or yeah, something yeah. like that. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Just seeing a live tweet come in that Alan Lazard is now on the COVID list for the Packers game. Ooh. Oh, that's that's wide receiver one and two now on the COVID list. Yeah, that just okay. leaves uh, 
Uh, who was the third one? Vantes, Same Brown. Aquaminius, Same Brown. No, yeah, that's he's on the. Isn't he on the, the backers? Or he's not on the Lions, I should say. Who, no, that's his brother. Oh, that's his brother. Oh, you're thinking of Amon Ross, I Brown. Yeah, Amon Ross. Oh, yeah. yes. But yeah, Randall Cobb, and who's the other one? The, the he was the draft pick, Amari Rogers. That's yeah. the other one. So it'll be a That'll lot be of. Yeah, I think it'd be, it might be a lot of dual running back tr- sets for the the Packers on Thursday. But that's Thursday, and we're gonna have a review f- show for that, a preview, I should say, show for Thursday night football. Of course, the Packers traveling to Carolina to take on. Sorry, excuse me, the Cardinals. So we have some really good guests lined up for that. We will announce them after the show tonight. But um, let's uh, let's get straight into the wheel, guys. What do you think? Let's fucking do it. I think so. I think so. I love that this show is not P is not PG. So you can say stuff like that, Jake, all you like. Oh, don't, <laughs> don't tempt me. <laughs> Ooh, the Oh, so here's the way we have a lot of topics like i said we mentioned them a little earlier on let's get straight into spinning that wheel let's see what we're going to be talking about first tonight Ooh, who is the best team in the afc and we thought this would be an interesting fion this was uh your topic that you wanted to bring up today tell us a little bit about why you wanted to bring this topic up uh, I wanted to bring this topic up mostly because if you look at the standings right now, the Bengals are ranked the number one team in the AFC. And so I wanted to kind of get everybody's thoughts about who is the real one team in the AFC, who's trending the right direction, who's most likely to be there at the top of the, at the end of the season, I beg your pardon. Who is likely to be the number one seed representing the AFC and go all the way? It's going to be a different team. By all accounts, it looks like the Chiefs will not make it back to the number one seed. That's for sure. But who could be there? That's uh, that's the question I want to know from you guys. And Jake, right off the top of your head, who are you thinking is the best team in the AFC right now? I just have to go back and remind myself who was at the top and who was towards the bottom. And if any of us seven weeks into the season said... Who's going to be at the top? You certainly wouldn't have guessed the Bengals. You wouldn't have guessed the Titans. You definitely wouldn't have guessed the Raiders leading the AFC West at five and two. Uh, very strange season. Um, I'm sure it's on the, the wheel, but we're, the Chiefs aren't looking good. So uh, who, who do I think is the best? I mean, by numbers, you're probably thinking the Bengals, but uh, I say, I say anything there's a case to be made for the Chargers. They, quite, they look quite good too, I think. Yeah, I think I, I agree with you there with the Chargers. I had a look there. A bit. For me, so obviously it's got to be... Oh, sorry. The, I think Fiona uh, is Bal- a little bit behind. Baltimore Ravens. Oh, I think he's gone. <laughs> so who I do think you think gone. is the best? I think he's gone. We'll, we'll let him pop out there and let him get his connection sorted out and we'll, we'll get him back. What I was going to say, I had a look at the... Uh, the records of the team. So yeah, the Bengals are on top there with their five and two record because you have that tiebreaker over the Ravens who are also five and two. You know, you got the Raiders five and two as well. The Chargers four and two. The Bills four and two. Um, the Titans as well are, are there too. So that you can't uh, you can't forget about them. I think the Titans are what are they at the moment? They're five and two as well. Five and two. You know, funny. They're all five and two in the AFC. The winners are. Um, I certainly. Yeah. I think the Bengals or the Ravens are better than, than four or 
five and two as well. I think they're probably slightly better than the Bengals, but I think if they fall into a hole, then I like if they, if the game plan doesn't go their way, I don't think they're really built to come back from it as much. I know they do, but sometimes they worry me when I'm watching them when they're behind and you're hoping for a win from them. Yeah, and the Titans go through these like peaks and troughs a little bit this season because only two weeks ago they lost to the Jets. You know, and then last week they beat the the Bills. This week they beat the the Chiefs. You know, it's it's a bit weird with that. But I had a look at sort of the 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 remaining fixtures of some of the teams, and you know, the Bengals sort of have one of the easier run-ins out of all these AFC AFC teams as well. The only ones I can see that you know they have to obviously they're going to have to go to they have to go to the Chargers. They're facing the Chargers, but they're also facing Kansas City at home. They also obviously have their divisional games, but they play two uh, of the biggest sides uh, away from home. So they have in Pittsburgh and Baltimore. So they'll have them still to come at home and obviously still have to play the Browns twice as well. So the Bengals are in a really, really good spot. Hopefully they can stay they can stay fit. Looking at the, the Ravens as well, they have the Rams and the Packers. I know with those two, it's probably the two more difficult games that they have left in, in their schedule. So they're going to be tough, but they're both at home as well. So we could see what happens there. In terms of the Raiders, you know, they've got some tough ones because they still have to travel to Dallas to take on the Cowboys. And they're going to have to travel to Indianapolis to take on the Colts as well. As well as obviously those, I'm obviously not counting the individual division games because we all know that you're going to have to play them. The Chargers, I couldn't find many hard teams either. Apart from the in-division games, I can, the Chargers seem to have an okay run-in coming in against teams who are not particularly performing great this year. The Bills still have to go to Tampa Bay, and they still have to go to New Orleans as well. So that's going to be tough. They still have to face the Patriots twice as well, so that can be tough too. So, you know, it, it's up for grabs. I would think that... Uh, on current form, obviously, you have to give it to the Bengals. But like you're saying, Jake, I have to look at the, the Chargers and that with their remaining run-in as well. They really have it. If they can get something going and forget about the mistakes that happened in that Ravens game two weeks ago where they were completely blown out, get over that and, and um, just get back on track with Justin Herbert and, and the rest of that team. But sort out that defense too um, because that run defense is the worst in the league and anyone can run on that team. But I think they do have a chance to get that number one uh, seed. But Fionn, uh, you're back with us there. You sort of cut out there a little bit. So glad that you're back. Um, you were in the middle of a point there about who you think is the best side. But tell us, who, who are you looking at now for in the AFC? Yeah, uh, sorry, my connection's a bit spotty today. So I'll do my best to stay with you, or I might have to pull a Jake and kind of bail out halfway through as he likes to do. Uh, but uh, he is in the pub then. <laughs> I, I did I did manage to hear a lot of what you guys are saying, and I kind of agree. It makes it really tricky because they're all taking lumps out of each other a little bit. Obviously, before last week, I would have said the uh, the Baltimore Ravens were probably in the optimal position, but getting thumped by Cincinnati definitely wasn't on the preseason scorecards. So that kind of threw it up in the air for me. Again, like you said, Tennessee is almost in the same boat. Yeah, they have a very strong team. They've shown it over multiple seasons they could be a playoff team, but they're taking weird losses to the Jets. It doesn't, it doesn't really make sense. The only thing I can say is, at least the Titans got that game over with slightly earlier in the seasons than the very recent Ravens loss. 
So I think for me, it's got to be either the Buffalo Bills or the Tennessee Titans in the driving seat at the moment, followed by uh, the Ravens, just because Bengals, obviously, that will be a heck of a turnaround if they finish the AFC in the number one spot, given where they were at the end of last season. And Las Vegas Raiders, I just struggle to trust them. I just don't trust Carr. I don't see where the talent really is in that team that has them up so high. I think it might be a fluke of schedule. Uh, and so after that, it's it's kind of Baltimore and Buffalo have all been there, done that, and I expect them to keep rising in the rankings over the next couple of weeks than sustain any kind of major slide back down. Yes, yeah, so I understand. I, I know what what you mean with the with the Raiders. It is very hard to sort of back them. Um, you sort of wait for their collapse that we've seen for the last couple of years. They've always had fast starts, but they can't seem to finish it when it comes to the end of the season. But I don't know. Like Derek Carr is playing so much better this year. Like la- the game last week was important because they were missing their best receiver in Darren Waller, but it changed nothing. They still stomped on the Eagles and they still, like I think he had a 91% uh, pass completion rate uh, on Sunday. He is playing. He can't keep that up, though. He moment. can't keep that up. He's not know, that quarterback. I know, but if you drop only a little bit, if he drops it to like a 79, 80%, that's still really, really good as well. Um, so it's. I think they're still in a decent spot. Like I said, they're, they do have some tough games mm. coming up. So we will see. There will be, like, I think there's, you know, that Dallas game is going to be really important to see. Uh, I believe that's actually the Giants. Thanksgiving this year. Um is going to be uh, really important to the Giants. <laughs> <laughs> that is the litmus test for all teams now, is it? The Giants. If you lose to the Giants, you bench your quarterback. That's the way it is at the moment. And you're getting the uh, trade rumors for Deshaun Watson if yeah. you lose to the Giants. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's what it is, pretty much. But we'll see what the, we'll we'll see what the Raiders now uh, coming up. But let's uh, let's move on to our next topic. Let's get the wheel back up here. Um, so let's see what we are going to be talking about next. Uh, so let's see. Oh, Ooh, okay, okay. It's not the New York team you wanted to talk about, Jake, but it's going to be a New York team we're talking about here because can the Jets ever sort out their shit? 54 to 13 on Sunday against the Patriots. Mac Jones has his first 300 yard game. Uh, in the National Football League. You know, Zach Wilson is out for the next four weeks with a knee injury. They had Mike White, I believe his name is, another rookie QB on the yep. They hadn't got a veteran quarterback on the roster at all. They were all players that had never taken a snap in the NFL at quarterback. But who made that decision and who looked at that and said, that's a great lineup to have? You always have a veteran there. You always do. It's like it's, it's like what rule did, number one. What did they go and do? They go trade for J- Joe Flacco, who they had last they season. They had last year. They but even I was reading today that uh, Drew Luck, he was, Drew Luck sat behind Joe Flacco and this season, when he's sitting behind Teddy Teddy Bridgewater, he said, I finally understand how to read a playbook. It's like Joe Flacco makes no bones about trying to hide the fact that he doesn't give a bollocks. He's not there to teach you. He is there to play football. And he's just going to be like, he doesn't care anymore. 
It doesn't care. I don't know why they would get him as opposed to someone else. I don't know who you'd get, but like he clearly isn't a guy. You might as well roll with Mike White and keep your conditional fifth or whatever they trade them for. I know, but yeah. it's just it's it's crazy. But Fionn, what do you think? What is going on with the Jets? I completely agree with Jake, first of all, of the quarterback situation. I don't know why you'd bother spending money on any sort of contract. If you're going to suck, just suck hard with your backup. Like, why not throw the guy who's never had any snaps in, see what he can do? I believe, I think I remember bringing him up during our preseason when when everyone was going mad about it, all the Justin Fields and all the numbers that were flying around for rookie quarterbacks. I said, hey, this guy, I believe he put up like 300 yards or something in one of the preseason games. Nobody would ever heard of him. And I was saying, look, you can't judge preseason games for quarterbacks. They do all sorts of things to get them extra yards. So I think the slide is real. The rushing yards, not very good either. 62 yards total for the team. They don't seem to be able to do anything. I mean, it's very strange. I mean, 250 receiving yards is not bad. But when you get blown out 54-13, your only bright light for the season in Zach Wilson is taking a knock. That's going to impede, I believe, his progression. We saw that with Dwayne Haskins in Washington and any other quarterbacks that don't get a full season when they get thrown into that fire pit. That can linger quite long into the second season as well. It's every game, even if there is an extra game this season, every game in that 16 or 17 game season as it is now is worth a weight of gold for these quarterbacks because they're live reps against live opponents who really want to win and really want to beat you up. So no matter how good the scout team is playing or how good the first team defense is on the on the two-minute drills or whatever you have in, in practice, it's not the same as an NFL game rep. And at the moment, they're struggling really badly, and I, I would not suspect that they're going to win many more games for the rest of the season. I don't, I don't see even if they had every available opportunity, I don't even know where you start to fix that football team, to be perfectly honest with you. That's definitely yeah. not by getting Joe Flacco. I can tell you that. <laughs> not, not Joe Flacco. Anyway. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> that is not the answer. I was just trying to think off the top of my head as well. Was there no quarterback on the street that they could have picked up that maybe would yeah, have Cam had Newton. some experience? Yeah, I was going to just say Cam Newton. Cam Let's Newton. Else yeah, is yeah, Cam, Cam Newton is... Super Bowl winner Colin Kaepernick. Dude, that's a whole different story. That's a whole different story altogether. That. Yeah, yeah, that's a whole... Like, he, he could have been brought in, you know, but look. Well, Cam would seem like the obvious choice, to be fair. Yeah, especially if it's an exp- extended period of time. Um, maybe they looked at it and said four weeks is probably not long enough for them to get used to the playbook. But again, you bring in Joe Flacco and it's a new head coach. Here, so he doesn't feel... Really Cam in New York brought, would be cool could, as well for brought, him. Could you have brought great, back... Uh, Philip Rivers, maybe or G3, I think. <laughs> uh, who else? We got Blake Bortles, Matt Moore, Devlin Hodges. I think he's on a practice squad somewhere. Yeah. He is terrible. He is really, really, really bad. Well, they're all really terrible. Alex Smith. Well, or G3 was a decent quarterback back in the day. He could still sling it if you give him a chance. And uh, what was the one after him that you mentioned? Um, oh, we got Blake Bortles. Devlin Hodges. Like Bortles, he was a starting quarterback. He wasn't a good starting quarterback, but he was a starting quarterback. He's certainly at this yeah. point better than Joe Flacco. So this we've is, all established is... that like we can search for a quarterback better than the Jets back office seem to be able to. I think if they had to just use an Alexa or a Google and just said, 
Google, tell me who is available for me to sign as a quarterback in the NFL. And it would just tell you, and you just pick that guy. The, Bear, the Bears have three backup quarterbacks at the moment. Yeah, you do you want get. to pay that much money for a big dick Nick? Like, that's no, very true. That's true. It, it just, just boggles my mind. Why would you pay for a contract and give up something? when, like you just mentioned, Jake, there's so many equally bad options that are free, or at least vet mins that you can just bring in give them like a prorated salary for till the end of the season and then just cut them. Like there, you don't have to lie to them. You're saying you're here to plug the hole. Our starter is out. He will be back starting as soon as he's fixed. And just like you get a nice little check till the end of the season. And off but even, go. even not even just you're starting until the starter is, is back. It's even keeping him on afterwards to help in practice with that, you know, that veteran sort of experience saying, like, this is what I face in the NFL. This is what you're going to face. Because that's the thing. The, the difference, it's obviously well established the difference from college to, to the NFL game is, is there. But, you know, I don't know. It's just, it, it's absolutely <laughs> crazy that you have two rookie quarterbacks that have never taken a snap in the NFL, one backing up the other. <sighs> I don't. I love know. how annoyed I we're saw... all just getting over this situation. <laughs> None know. of us follow I... this team. I saw. I saw that uh, Joe Douglas and, and Robert Sala got the, the vote of confidence earlier on this week as well. Too now, I don't agree that they should be necessarily look be looking to move on because Robert Sala's only got his feet in the door. The, you know, he's got to get used with. But you know, to fend off questions like that after seven weeks into your first season is never a good sign. Well, especially on like I mentioned, where where do you even start? It's not like you go, say, Urban Myers, where you're pointing at a litany of things he's doing wrong so far. The team stinks. The best player's now injured. What's he? How's he supposed to get wins if that's what he's dealing with? It's not like you're going, ah, oh, well, you're making crazy calls. You're doing ridiculous things. You're getting rid of everyone. He's doing his best. He's just is a pretty bad football team. That's it. That's it. They've been a consistently pretty bad football team as well, to be fair now, um, for the last couple of years. But let's have, let's uh, move on to our next topic for this evening. Um, we'll see how quickly we get through this one. Maybe we'll have time for one more after this as well. So let's spin that wheel one more time. And it's not see. the one you want, Dara. I'll allow you the extra couple of minutes to get you on your rant. <laughs> Maybe we might have to. Chiefs to miss the playoffs? We're asking that question because at the weekend, you know, everyone saw in shock, you could say. Maybe maybe Chiefs fans would not agree with you saying shock. Maybe they think this was coming. But they lost 27-3 to the Titans on Sunday. Patrick Mahomes with four, inter- uh, four interceptions in that game, I believe. Uh, no, four turnovers. Two, three interceptions, uh, one turnover. In his last three games, he has five interceptions and only four touchdowns. That's not the... They're not the sort of games that we're used to seeing from Patrick Mahomes. He was carrying the team earlier on this year. The defensive issues on that team have been extraordinary. Unbelievable. They can't stop anyone, whether they run, pass the ball, whatever. They just can't stop anything. To be fair, though, and we did mention it in the bet show, Jake, I think, that uh, Derrick Henry was over under 100 and something yards, and he was actually on the under this week. So at I least they stopped. Yeah, yeah, I'm they just looking up how many yards he got. He got I believe. 86. So. 86, oh, sorry. And then we had a bet on for Derrick Henry anytime touchdown, which seems like a very safe st- uh, bet. Obviously, he didn't. He did throw a touchdown. He didn't Tossed a touchdown. <laughs> That's it. 
Uh, well, like that's the thing. I think he found out that you can't that running backs never win the MVP. So he's like, right, just let me throw the ball in instead, and I'll win Maybe the, the Jets MVP. Jets can have him then. <laughs> there you go. There you go. I, I don't know how many first you're going to have to give up for Derrick Henry, but I think yeah, I think the Titans would ask for a few, and knowing the Jets, they'd probably give it up too as well. But the interesting thing here about this Chiefs team is they are, you know, they're three and four at the moment. They have the game on Monday night against the Giants. But after the Giants, they have the Packers, the Raiders, and they also have Dallas after that as well. That is some four-game stretch that conceivably you could say, what, four games? Maybe you go one and three in those games? Then what? You're you're four and seven? Like you're missing out on the playoffs then at that stage. What are you, what are you guys thinking about the Chiefs so far? Well, it's time to get your worrying on for the Chiefs, I'm afraid. Uh, for them, for their fans, just for this season, I wouldn't be overly worried about uh, the rest of the Patrick Mahomes career, even though he's your billion-dollar quarterback. But, yeah, I don't know. It's just not looking good. The defense is obviously holding it back. Um, i seen a tweet here. I'll just read it out to you. Um, obviously, the Giants and Chiefs play each other next week. Will feature a QB who runs the ball recklessly, turns it over, gets little help from his offensive line, and clearly tries to do too much on each snap rather than be smart and live to play another down. Daniel Jones will also play the game too. <laughs> you can obviously see the deficiency that the Chiefs are going through so far with their weak offensive line, which is a bit of a hodgepodge mix of rookies and veterans who aren't playing up to what you would like them to play. Um, a Patrick Mahomes who sometimes just feels a little bit skittish in that pocket. And I, I don't know, I mentioned it before in this podcast where he does his little back back roll for 10 yards and then gets hit or does something stupid with the ball when he's 10 yards behind the line of scrimmage. I've not been a fan of that, but again, he's still young and yeah, he, he already won you a Super Bowl, so you can't be too sad about it. Yeah, he set a phenomenal pace and that essentially put the bar super, super high for him. I think... Maybe this is coming of a little bit delayed onset that defenses are finally starting to figure him out. Something everyone predicted in that second season, maybe, that, that he would be slowed down. And he wasn't, to his credit. He, he if anything, got even more explosive on them. Uh, and I just think, yeah, at last, that defense is just so bad that the offense cannot keep the points ticking over fast enough. It's rare that they've got blown out. The Bills wasn't a great game, uh, and the Titans obviously wasn't very close. But other than that, they've been, in the games that they haven't won, they've been there or thereabouts. So it's the same formula. Their formula hasn't changed. It's we're going to try and outscore you and race you to the finish line. The problem is their defense has got even a step slower. So all those offenses they're facing are able to rack up points that are competing with the with the Chiefs, whereas in seasons past, that hasn't necessarily been the case. Another thing to worry about also is that two of their three wins are against the Eagles and Washington, both not particularly good football teams this season. So they're really struggling for that marquee win. They do have one against the Browns, who look like a half-decent team, although riddled with injury at the moment. But they got that right at the, the first weekend of the season. So... We'll see now if they can bounce back quickly because I think they'll need to. The Giants is, is a pretty nice game to have, I would argue, in order to bounce back. But man, oh man, if you lose that, you are in serious trouble. I don't, if you can't beat the Giants, I, you can't, you can't argue that they could win 
any of the games coming up in the till the end of the season. I don't mean that they won't win any games. I just mean you can no longer say that's a winnable game. If you lose to the Giants, every game is a 50-50 game from here to the end of the season. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more on that, even though as a Giants fan, this would be your notorious get-right game for the Chiefs that the Giants <laughs> often given the opposing team. 40 so, bomb Giants, coming up. Yeah, definitely. Patrick Mahomes <laughs> runs three touchdowns in himself as well. <laughs> well, look, the, the Giants did have a pretty good away win against the Saints a couple of weeks ago. It's not... And, I'm guessing there'll be more players, Jake, you would know better than I would, but there'll be more players coming back from injury this week as well. So they will be a little more healthier. They have that extra day of rest now, of course, playing on the Monday night too. So, you know, the defense played well against the Panthers. You know, the defense, I think the Titans showed a way of stifling the, the, the Chiefs offense because Tariq, uh, Tariq Hill has not played well this year. Um, he's. I think he's struggling with injury. He was on the injury report a couple of weeks ago. I think whatever injury he has there is is still affecting him. Travis Kelsey then has been has been sort of taken out of games. Um, that offensive line as well for the Chiefs, the one that was torn apart after the Super Bowl loss, and then brought back up with the likes of Orlando Brown, who's like for the for the. The type of player that he wanted to be, he wanted to go to left tackle, you know, to obviously emulate his father and stuff. But he's not playing to the level that he was playing at when he was with the Ravens, you know. But Joe Tooney has been a decent, I think he's been the best one. You know, the the others on the offensive line have struggled. And look, thinking when you're going to be coming up against Leonard Williams as well at the weekend. I think he's going to have a field day against those uh, offensive linemen. And then... On the other side of the ball, like I said, with more people uh, fit, if you can get, like, I don't know, if you get even one of, you know, uh, Shepard, Tony, or Galladay back, you know, I, I think that gives the Giants such a good chance. Well, yeah, Vegas I mean, doesn't I, agree I, with you, Dara. They've given Kansas City 10, 10 points in this game already. That's crazy. Um, 10 points? What have, mm-hmm. Like, that's the thing. They're, they're, that is solely on reputation. That yeah. is not on. That is not on anything we've seen this year. That is totally reputation. That is, uh, if look, this is not the betting show. But if you want to jump on that, I'd say jump on that straight away. I can't see the Chiefs beating anyone by more than ten points with that defense at the moment. Mm. Yeah, I I kind of agree with you there. I I'd be on that plus ten. I think um, it would be. I, I I might even lower it to plus seven to get that extra few uh, points up for the bet themselves because I think. If the, if the Giants play a good game, they can win, but it is down to a shaky offensive line meets another shaky offensive line meets a defense that can't hold, another defense that can't hold. So who has the better day? As they say, it's any any given Sunday. Well, in this case, it'll be Monday, but any given Monday. <laughs> I know, but look, we'll see. And they're not, it's, they're not out at the moment with the Chiefs. I think all of there's a lot of teams in that three and four area that are sort of near the sort of wildcard position. So it's nothing to worry about just yet. You know, thankfully, Mahomes is okay after that pretty bad injury. It looks like he was kind of folded like an accordion there once for that injury on Sunday. So we'll see what happens there with uh, with Patrick Mahomes and, and the Chiefs on Monday. And look at it like that. They could be part of our bet this coming Friday. Make sure you're tuned to our bet 
betting exclusive show on YouTube for uh, the latest on that to see if we do pick the Giants plus 10 or if it is still plus 10 by the time it comes out on Friday. Before we move on, guys, anything else left to uh, speak about on the Chiefs? No. No. We said Perfect. <laughs> I think we have, unfortunately. Sorry, Chiefs fans. We buried you guys enough for one week anyway. Let's see what happens next week. Let's get that wheel up one more time. Last time tonight, guys. Let's see. What are we going to be talking about? Is it going to be Seattle? Let's find out. No. 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 Bears. <laughs> now, this is something I had a problem with. I brought this up because uh, the, the tagline reads perfectly here. Bears fans is this what you want because you know we've all heard about the bears wanting to have justin fields in as soon as possible starting quarterback forget about matt Nagy; he doesn't know what he's doing andy dalton shouldn't be number one he's been in now the last two weeks he struggled he has struggled 38 to three against the books on sunday 35 three at half time so the books obviously called it a day um, at halftime because he knew it was. But fields of 184 yards, three interceptions, one fumble. And I kind of got pretty animated watching this because of Matt Nagy's refusal to take Justin Fields out at halftime in this game. That game was done. That game, any Anything else that was done in that game after halftime was for nothing. And I think to protect him, because... This defense was all over. And to protect him, you should have taken him out. Say, look, it wasn't your day. These are the growing pains in the NFL. We'll come back next week and we'll see. But I think this could be down to Matt Nagy's stubbornness with the amount of times he was called out by the fan base to have fields in the starting lineup. So now he's saying, well, you wanted him in the starting lineup. Here he is now. Here he is to the Wolves. Matt Nagy said he wasn't ready yet. He wanted to play... Andy Dalton. Now, whether that's the right decision or not, we don't know anymore because obviously Justin Fields is in. But I don't know if this is some sort of infighting between Matt Nagy and the fans. You know, obviously the fans don't want Matt Nagy anymore. Like, we obviously, I don't know if you pay much of close attention to it, but because obviously we, we know the guys obviously over at the Irish uh, Bear show, sort of, we're, we have a little area closer to the ground, a little more on the Bear sort of stuff because. We know the lads, and obviously they're they're great with their reporting and, and talking about the Bears every week. But this, this can't be the way to run a franchise. You can't be having fighting between the head coach and the fans saying, "Here's your quarterback. I'm throwing him to the wolves." And this, like, what are you thinking about this whole situation? I'm kind of in two minds about it, to be honest, because I, I'm a proponent of just letting the rookie take his lumps. And I mean, he just he's going to have to lose some games sometimes. He's going to have to learn to come from behind sometimes. And I mean, I understand your point about the safety and the injury and stuff like that. So had he gets injured, that's your your top quarterback out of the game that you traded so much assets for him. And you're going to have to hope he comes back stronger than he did before. But I still think you have to leave him in. He has to learn to lose and he has to learn to try to come back from losing. Um, I don't know. Is it is it fine? I, I know Matt Nagy is very stubborn from all his conferences and everything. You can just tell from his personality that he is like that. But uh, So maybe it is a bit of fighting between the fans and, and Matt Nagy, but I think I still think it was kind of the right decision to leave him in. It was a tough Bucks defense to, fa- to face, but if he's going to have a long career in the NFL, he's going to have to face them. I can't agree with you more, Jake. I have two points on this. One, 
Uh, I don't support Nagy as a coach. I don't think he's a particularly good coach. I think there's certainly better options at coaching. However, having said that, I fully back how he dealt with this situation. He clearly stated from the beginning, I am the man watching fields. I drafted him. I watch him in practice. I'm evaluating him. Trust me, as soon as he's ready to play, he's going to play. Right now, it's Dalton. It's only Dalton, and it'll be Dalton for as long as I can possibly keep Dalton in there. And like you said, Jake, the fans went nuts. And I think I have to stand by him. I say, if the fans forced his hand, which they can because they turn management and they turn ownership, and that puts Nagy under pressure to make those changes. So it, I do believe that change is a direct result of the fans, and I don't blame them for doing that. But I'm I'm 100% with you. It's like I said earlier in the show, those game reps for Wilson that he's missing because he's injured are essential if you want to develop your quarterback. There's no other way to get those than to stay in the game, especially a young guy, especially a new guy. If it's your vet, if it's Tom Brady and you're down 40 and you go, nah, we need Tom Brady to win us some games down the stretch. Okay, we'll take him out at halftime. No, Justin Fields needs to learn. Every rep, every series he has is another series for on the sideline those coaches to use. The, the Microsoft surfaces go through everything that is seen. He's taken 22 sacks. His completion percent is under 60%. He has, uh, sorry, I have to start here in front of me, two to six touchdown to interception ratio. These are classic rookie numbers. He is not the savior as much as the, the Bears fans thought he would be. He is not a, an, an straight into the Hall of Fame quarterback. And neither should you expect it. None of them are. Lawrence is neither. None of them are. Mac Jones, I think, is doing the best out of any of them. But because he's in the system with the coach who knows exactly what he wants. And New Jones could deliver exactly as much as he needed to deliver this is not a brilliant Bears team asking a not a brilliant quarterback or developed quarterback, let's say, to do things he's not capable of. But the best way to learn is to go in and go every situation you can possibly throw at them and say, here's what you should have seen. Here's what you should have seen. And hope eventually towards the end of the season, he starts to see those things before you have to point them out to him after he's been sacked twice on a drive and through an interception. Okay. I don't understand what you, where you guys come from. And I under, and like in the large part, I would agree with your point of view saying that he should be getting his lumps in the NFL. I do. But the point that you, you actually kind of both brought up at the start was Matt Nagy said that Justin Fields is going to sit until I know he's ready. Justin Fields doesn't look ready at the moment. So is Matt Nagy, did he cave into the fans' demands? Of course he did. Because, well, then well, then why didn't he just have a stronger backbone and say, no, look, listen, well, I know Fields you're going to hate this, but why didn't he continue with Andy Dalton? Because I think the fans could have got him fired. He was get, He's getting fired anyway. Well, this is it. But maybe, anyway, I think yeah. he's hoping he's not. But, I, yeah, I honestly do believe that the fans in, in Chicago have enough sway that if they put enough pressure and enough outrage and attendance starts dropping, now he doesn't make it to the end of the season. Now, we, we can argue all day long, and I think we'd all agree with you, he probably doesn't make it into next season anyway. But I think if he doesn't make that switch, I really do think they'd turn up the heat on him. I think they can put Justin Fields into the rest of the season. He will not be fired even if they lose every game because he's playing Justin Fields. If he played Dalton till the end of the season, I really don't think he'd make it past three, four more weeks. Yeah, I don't know. I think I think either way he's getting fired. I think 
once the season started and how things were going, I think he sort of knew that was going to happen. I think the one game that he's won with Fields was that Detroit game, and it was the game that he didn't do any play call. Um, he gave it up to the mm-hmm. offensive coordinator, Bill. Oh, I think we lost Dara, did we? I think we lost Dara for a minute. But one thing, one thing, Jake, while Dara's gone that I wanted to bring up, and I, maybe I'll ask you the question is, who's letting down who? Are the Bears letting down Fields by throwing him out there? Or is Fields letting down the Bears by, let's be honest, even as it goes as a, as a rookie quarterback, he's not doing a particularly good job and he's not, doesn't seem to be learning at a curve you would expect from a first round quarterback pick so who's underperforming here are the bears letting him down or is he letting the bears down a little bit well i think we all know that the coaching on the bears particularly isn't the best and the offensive line isn't the best they have an injury at running back and they have a like two injuries are running back and then they're on the third string running back who is playing well but come on he's still a third string running back and then you're number one wide receiver can't seem to be getting the ball as much or isn't getting the targets as much. So I don't know if he's being put in a position to win or be, be successful as himself, but he's probably not doing himself any favors by playing hero ball a little bit. Maybe he feels like he has to, I don't know, but uh, I'd say it's more on the coaching at the minute. They don't look like mm-hmm. they want to give him the best of the best. And here's another question for you, Dar. you missed that one, but I'll ask you a new question that occurred to me. Like, Fields isn't doing great. We had on the wheel who's doing the best out of rookie quarterback. So we'll just focus on Fields, given it's the it's the Bears that came up. How bad do you let Fields be, or how much rope do we give him and excuse it as just being on a bad football team? And at what point do the stats get so bad that we start to worry that Fields isn't what all the Bears fans kept telling us that he was? I I give him this year. I think you have to. You so have no to matter what, year. no matter what his stat line looks like at the end of this season, you're saying I will give him next season and we'll evaluate him on that. I wouldn't necessarily look at the stat line, but I'd look at the the plays itself. Like if he's missing clear throws all the time, and if he's missing open receivers all the time, then you can make that assumption, or you can make you can look at it and say, look, maybe this lad's not up to it, but. If he is not getting, if he's getting interceptions or if he's getting, like, there's obviously so many other factors that come into that. A lot of it is like that offensive line is terrible. You know, they've got mm-hmm. a 78 year old Jason Peters at left tackle, you know. Um, so he is constantly sort of having to look behind, behind his shoulder to see if there is a defensive lineman coming to, you know, tackle the life out of him. So, I think yeah, you've got to you've got to let him have this year. If you're gonna let him have the bumps, like we discussed, let him have the bumps. If it comes to next season, if it comes to the off season and there is decent additions made in terms of you know offensive line, wide receiver, if they keep Allen Robinson or not, but they don't see he doesn't seem to have a great connection with Allen Robinson at the moment. It's more Darnell Mooney who he seems to be. Um, picking out a lot more you know if you if you're getting pieces in place and they're performing and he's not next year then we can start looking at it and saying okay this isn't the guy that we thought he was going to be 
I don't know where you go anyway, if because they don't have their first round pick next season. So like mm-hmm. you're not gonna have that ability to get a quarterback in the first first round next season unless you draft or trade and get the picks. I don't think you want and one then, next year anyway. Don't no, you, you don't. No. But by all accounts, yeah, you don't. But even after that, like you're gonna have to try build around them and still keep them on that cheap deal unless you're put in a position where you have I don't know a top five pick which they could have, and then there's a quarterback worthy of the top five pick. pick that you think yeah. is better than Justin Fields. And chances are, if you have a poor team around him, he's going to perform just as poorly as Justin Fields. Yeah. Well, the beauty of having the Justin Fields as the first-round pick is you have five years to get it right with him. You know, you have five years for him to... to pretty much a five-year audition to see if he is going to be the guy. If he's not, okay, you move on. We've seen it with Mitch Trubisky. They moved on after four years. They knew he wasn't the guy. And he's gone. Now it's Justin Fields to see if he is going to be that guy. So, you know, they have time. Just let's just see if they can actually build a team. It's A lot of this is going to be out of his hands. Of course, there's a lot for him to do in terms of improving week on week, training session on training session to be a better quarterback. But there's going to be a lot of management and coaching to, you know, get the pieces around him to give him the best chances to succeed. Yeah, definitely. Grant. Uh, so I think that is it for the wheel this week. Um, guys, if you will let me, I would like to have my Seahawks rant, if that's okay. If you're okay with that. We might have to cut this into that. a special, Darrow. We're already 45 <laughs> minutes in. <laughs> Don't worry. It will only take half an hour. I promise you this. <laughs> no, look, listen. It's, it's, it's just... Obviously, the Seahawks lost 30-10 and 10 to, to the Saints last night in what was an absolute stinker of a game for in all ways. The first time the Seahawks have gone 0-3 at home with their first three games of the season since 1996. Yes, Geno Smith is in a quarterback at the moment. Russell Wilson is out injured. I understand that. But I think that game sort of encapsulated a lot of things that has been going wrong that isn't necessarily just on Geno Smith. In the first half, Geno Smith threw a a pass to DK Metcalf that went for an 84-yard touchdown. He ran for most of that. It wasn't actually an 84-yard throw, so so we won't give Geno all the credit. But that was his only target until the third quarter. He wasn't targeted again until the third quarter. And, you know, this, this part comes down to a little bit of Gino, but I'd say a lot more down to P and to P Carroll, head coach, and Shane Waldron, the offensive coordinator. The Saints defense decided to put a safety pretty much there on DK Metcalf as well as the cornerbacks so that those long throws were sort of extinguished. But at no point until the third quarter did we see a change to say that, okay, let's run a couple of slants. Let's put try you on the other side. Let's you know, let's do these short intermediate routes to try and get him the ball. Maybe he can get some yards after catch and get us up the field. That was not done until the third quarter, and I don't know why. Also, the Saints defense is one of the best run defenses in the league. Eight run plays in a row, totaling for 19 yards, happened. In the middle of that game last night, 19 yards and eight running plays over, obviously, multiple possessions. That is unbelievable. 
because you, obviously you want okay, you establish the run to set up maybe a play action, you know, or get the safeties down towards the box so that maybe you can try a shot over the top. But they did never did that. It was run, 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 run. Well, more it was run, 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 punt, run, 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 punt. The the stat line. There's so many things. The, the, the defense, the defense in this game last night. Alvin Kamara, for all intents and purposes, is the probably the only offensive threat that the Saints have. It took until the second half for them to finally decide. Listen, when he goes out in the flat to be in the passing game, let's double team him in the second half after he's already burned you towards the end of the first half, scoring that touchdown, which put the Saints 10-3 up at the half. In a game that, I'll be honest now, in a, for the defense that has underperformed all year, they played pretty decent against the run last night. And for uh, the cornerbacks, I thought, played quite well as well. But they just couldn't. That, that two-minute drill at the end of the half, get someone on Kamara, would, it seems like an easy tactic, but no. They never bought it. Just let let Kamara go. Penalties saved multiple Seahawks drives as well. Marshawn Lattimore, um, I think there was other players, I can't remember. Gardner Johnson were all giving unsportsmanlike conduct penalties. 15 yards, which put the, the Seahawks up the field. That was saving. That made that certain drives look better than they were. Obviously, Jason Myers kicking... Uh, field goals missed two out of three, which is absolutely disgraceful. But uh, like the reason why I'm going off all this, I think is, I think we're seeing what should be the end of Pete Carroll's time in Seattle. I, I think that we've seen there with the conservative play calling, the the inability, like when the owner Paul Allen died a couple of years ago, Pete Carroll was basically given the keys to the stadium. He was given all control and since then he's had four drafts and only two hits you could say on that draft dk metcalf and michael dixon if you think hitting on a punter is is good in the draft i think that it it, seahawks as a team needs a reset they need to get away from from this p carroll is always is obviously first half ballot hall of famer has won the the Seahawks, their only ever Super Bowl, got them into another one which they should have won. But these last couple of years have been tough. They've been so tough to watch because there's been a lot of close games. I think for above 500 teams, the Seahawks have the lowest point differential. They've been involved in so many close games. This, that, and the reason why they won was because of Russ. And we're seeing that now because they're losing these games now. And I think that if you want Russell Wilson to stay in Seattle, you need to get rid of Pete Carroll. And that's the ultimate decision that's going to come in this offseason. And I fear that they're going to make the wrong choice and let Russ walk. And I think that's going to set back this, this franchise for a while because you're not going to just get a generational franchise quarterback like that handily straight away. And I, I just I just fear. I just fear for the Seahawks. And uh, I think that this I just needed to let it out guys and i'm sorry <laughs> that you've had to listen to this but uh but look that's that's where we're going to end the show um <laughs> i i think at this point unless you guys want to hop on the, the seahawks train and make any comments to to what was said if you agree or disagree and what 
Um, they should have got. Should they should have got rid of him two years ago. At this point, his added value is not, and it's another one of these. He's been evaluated on legacy and not at all. If he was a brand new coach that started, say, three seasons ago, he would be fired. They, he has not had a good three seasons. Any other coach on any other team that got drafted in with three seasons and had the same, not necessarily record, but the same overall opinion on those three seasons would not be there. So like you mentioned, it's only the Super Bowls that are keeping him there at that point. And it's really a case of what what is he doing that like, it's it's not like Sean McVay or or one of these where you're like, yeah, sure, sometimes we lose, but this guy is doing things on offense or on defense that are changing the game of football. The teams are having an awful time struggling. He Pete Carroll hasn't changed anything up for years now. And I don't understand why you would want to stick with that when it, it's just same old, same old. But see, that's the thing. Like I like I mentioned, he is basically the general manager and head coach and de facto owner of the Seahawks at the moment because um, Paula Allen, who's the sister of Paul Allen, who technically owns the team, doesn't really have an interest in getting involved in the day-to-day football stuff. He's, that's why she left it to Pete Carroll to make those decisions. So Pete Carroll's not going to fire himself. So the only way I see mm-hmm. this happening is if Pete Carroll decides to call it a day and retire or his old college team, USC, are looking for a new head coach. Whether he goes back to that, I don't know. But it's it's tough. Like like how how do you how do you get someone to leave? <laughs> you know yeah. who kind of like it's like say like I own the house. How do you get you? To, how do I get you to leave when you own the house? You know, sorry. You kick them out and you lock the door and you change the locks. <laughs> change the locks. <laughs> I just, that's. I know it's it's tough, you know. It's it's sort of after seeing these games, and look, they faced the Jaguars on Sunday, and this is how bad that's gotten. I, I I'm almost certain that the Jaguars are going to win that game. Ah, uh, stop! But they, I will tell you one thing, I will tell you one thing. Offense that they're going to be coming up against in the last three weeks. I will know? tell you they, one thing. We're going to have to put you on a pitch count on these rants because. You're not used to them being this bad. And if they're going to stink every week, we don't have time for you to have a 15-minute rant every week going on and on and on and on and on about all the bad things. Suck it up like the pair of us. Accept that your team has multiple flaws across multiple facets of the game. Quarterback, head coach, defense, offensive line. Just accept it and move on. Your life will be better for it. Take a deep breath. Release it. And maybe next time we'll get Jake. Jake has control. We'll just subtly end the broadcast and let you go off on your rant so our, okay. our wonderful <laughs> okay. listeners don't have to put up with this every single week. Is it more you don't have to put up with this every well, single week? Well, look, I have to. I'm trying to do my best to put on a smiling face. I'm sitting here trying to <laughs> think of the dinner I have cooking at the moment. Can't wait to go and eat it. But... <laughs> I'm sorry. You'll guess. Okay, right. That's it. No more rants <laughs> until at least uh, at least week 12, you... right? At week no, 12, no, 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 no. If, if you make it to the preseason, you get one more rant this season and that's it. All right, then. Okay, I'll save that. I'm going to keep that in my back pocket then. As soon as Seahawks uh, season ends, though, I'm coming in with another. It's one. all for you. Yeah, we'll make your own. <laughs> Dara on the on the Seahawks side mini series on the podcast. That's what I'll that. do. I'll set up my own Seahawks podcast. <laughs> and it'll just be Dara ranting for forty five minutes every week. You know, let hey, it could be a hit show. You never know. Matters well, matters. <laughs> Dara's diaries. That's what it's. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> but look, this that's where we're going to end this show, guys. Thanks, as always, for coming on uh, and listening to me rant about my poor Seahawks. No problem. Oh, you could call it the No Pete's Club, actually, your podcast. The No Pete's Club. We already have one. We don't need another one. No <laughs> <laughs> but look, we are going to be back, like I said, on Thursday with our Thursday night preview show, of course, Packers at Cardinals. So make sure you stay tuned for that. We'll be back on Friday as well on our YouTube exclusive bet show. So make sure you're subscribed to Under Center Podcast on YouTube to get the best bets, hopefully, or the worst bets at this stage. I think they're going to have to become now. But uh, also follow us on our social medias at UndercenterPod on Instagram and at Twitter. If you want to follow us on Facebook as well, you can. Facebook.com forward slash Podcast. But until next time, thank you so much for watching and we will see you again soon.